0: Welcome to Journeys in Jazz, the podcast exploring why jazz is still popular amongst listeners and performers today. In this episode, I'm honoured to be joined by Canadian jazz vocalist Lauren Bush. I first met Lauren around seven years ago, and she now performs regularly in my swing band. She also has her own band and has recorded an incredible debut album. It was really interesting talking to Lauren about her childhood growing up in Ontario, Texas, and Vancouver Island, all before emigrating to London. We touch upon how Lauren gets gigs, how she chooses her repertoire, and why it is that she still loves to perform jazz standards. So, without further ado, here she is. Now, to begin with, you're Canadian. Yes, indeed. And you grew up in multiple locations in North America.
1: Yep. Tell me what that was like. Uh, well, both my parents are musicians, and my dad wanted to be a freelance jazz musician, so... We started out sort of in one place that was a bit booming. And then as he moved up the ranks, he started. He wanted to be a teacher, I guess, eventually. So we just moved wherever the jobs were. So, yeah, I grew up in lots of different places around Canada. The West Coast, uh, Ontario, was the main one where I grew up. And then we spent some time in Texas, which was uh, an eye-opening experience. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why was it eye-opening? Uh, it's just a different part of the world, isn't it? They're very... Uh, Uh, Texans are a new, they're a different kind of people. They think even more so than normal Americans, they think they're the greatest thing. But it was a pretty cool experience um, because I got to go to university there and that's sort of where I started singing jazz. That was where I, you know, you kind of discover yourself in university and I had to figure out what I wanted to do with myself and sort of ended up uh, singing with the jazz band. And that's where it all began.
0: So was it seeing that jazz band there in Texas playing that made you kind of want to be a jazz singer? or What were your influences? You know?
1: Yeah, I think, well, my dad was teaching the jazz studies program at the school and I had been taking singing lessons for quite a few years from about 14, but I wouldn't sing in front of my musical parents because I didn't want them to judge me. So neither one of them had ever heard me really sing a note aside from maybe in the car. Uh, So when I asked if I could sing with the jazz band, my dad told me I had to audition. So (laughs) (laughs) I did. Fair enough, I suppose. Like, it shouldn't be getting special treatment. Uh, So I auditioned for the jazz band, and that's sort of where I started to realize that I was actually kind of good at it, and that I shouldn't be denying my talents. Because I think that was the main thing for me, is I didn't want to do what my parents did. I thought that was lame. But then I thought, actually, I'm kind of good at this, so it doesn't really matter that it's what they did, because I like it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so when you say you thought it was lame, did you think it was lame because you didn't want to do what your parents were doing? Yeah. Or was it because you didn't really like jazz?
1: No, well, no. Well, I don't think I realized that I liked jazz because I'd grown up listening to it for... And, you know, as like a 13-year-old, jazz is not really cool music. It wasn't like... My friends weren't listening to it on the radio. No. So it was kind of uncool, I guess. I, didn't, I thought I didn't like it. Um, but because I'd been listening to it for so long, like I'd almost internalized it without realizing. And I realized that I like the freedom within jazz that is like, there's more, um, opportunities to be creative within it. And it's a step above like your regular pop music. It's not as boring as pop music, I guess
0: do you have experience of performing within other genres musically
1: <laughs> yeah so when i when i started singing with the jazz band i joined the music department at school to get my my degree in music but they didn't have jazz voice as an option so i started studying with a classically trained opera singer called sam cook i was terrible at it i was so bad he, he tried his best and I, t- I had to go to like a couple of competitions with the department and I always, I was always the worst one because I couldn't sort of stay within the parameters of like uh, Italian arias and stuff like that. It was just too restricting <laughs> to have to stand a certain way and sing a certain vowel and I, I'm sure I could have done it. I just didn't want to. <laughs>
0: and that's why i guess jazz appealed to you then
1: yeah that's Cause... when i realized what i was doing was trying to add like the inflections and and stylings of jazz to the music that i was being forced to sing and every time i would do it they would tell me to stop you know you can't scoop that note there you can't add a like <laughs> soulful little thing there it doesn't work that way It's problematic
0: at university and at music college, that sort of thing. I think people try to encourage you to maybe go one way or another, don't they, with things. And we are quite young and, well, when we're at that age, you know, 18, 19, unaware maybe of what our strengths are. I certainly was playing classical music and... Playing it with scoops and being creative with classical music, and being told by professors that I sounded like, you know, Charlie Parker trying to play a sonata. (laughs) Didn't really work out for me either. So we had a similar kind of experience, I guess, at that time in our lives.
1: Yeah, realising that actually I did, even though I've been telling myself I didn't like it, that I actually kind of did. And that was the (laughs) beginning, you know, my my dad and a couple of other people started handing me CDs of Ella Fitzgerald and Carmen McRae and Sarah Vaughan, and that's where my sort of like jazz education, that's where like I actually started to come to the realisation that that's what I liked and that I was really interested in... At first, mimicking that style, and then sort of taking that to sort of to become my own style.
0: After Texas, you moved back to Nanaimo. Yeah, yeah. And had you graduated by that point?
1: Yeah, I stayed in Texas. My fam, my dad got another job teaching in Canada, so I think they were quite desperate to get out of there and move back to their lovely home and native land so we moved back to Canada but I had one more year of school so I stayed and finished and then followed my family back to their new home city and Nanaimo is really cool because they've got a really like developed jazz community I guess there's a university there that teach it was used to be a college so they had like a program but also we it's famous for having churned out uh Diana Krall mm. so that's where she was discovered so There's a lot of um, musicians who came out of the program who then started teaching high school and then they were teaching jazz in the high school programs and so as a result there's a really strong community of really good musicians. It's a good place to be. Brilliant. And how does it compare with London? (laughs) Well it was a good stepping stone I guess. I got back to Nanaimo and I started my own quartet and was gigging around town and up and down the island because Nanaimo was on Vancouver Island which is off the coast of Vancouver so we were doing our best there but I, f- I felt like maybe about five years that I'd sort of outgrown my surroundings oh. and I had a choice to make to make the next big step it could have been Vancouver or Toronto Montreal New York was an option but a difficult one it's not easy to move to New York for many many reasons but not primarily a visa reasons
0: right okay
1: yeah, so then I was lucky enough to have my partner uh, is a British citizen, and he got into grad school in London, so I basically just latched onto him and followed him here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you did. Yeah. Very
0: glad you did. Yeah.
1: It was a good step, I think. It's a really cool city. Going back before we move on to
0: London, yeah. I'm still, my head's still in Nanaimo. You mentioned that you were gigging regularly with a jazz quartet. Yeah. How are you getting those gigs? And what Aww. were your first gigs like?
1: Most of them were in little like restaurants. Restaurants or like there was a winery up the road that had jazz. And so some of it was by word of mouth. Sometimes people that in the community would ask me to sing mm-hmm. with them. So it was I was joining their bands. And yeah, I spent a lot of time just like seeking out places that I thought might have or either did have jazz or might like to have jazz and just introducing myself so it's almost like that was the start of my like music business education as well yeah realizing that it's not just about being good at your instrument but you have to like hustle your own gigs (laughs) yep (laughs) which is not easy when all you want to do is play
0: absolutely yeah
1: that's the tricky part that you have to sort of come to terms with That if you want to be playing you gotta ask somebody or have somebody who's willing to have that happen so yeah, I remember playing at a winery up the road, and during our break, I got the hiccups. <laughs> <laughs> and having to play the rest of the set with that, the hiccups was uh, an interesting experience.
0: That's what happens when you drink too much wine now, <laughs> Well, Lauren, That's, isn't that's it, what they all really? thought.
1: They thought that I'd been uh, slush during the break, but now instead of just sipping the wine, that I'd been chugging it back, I guess. But I don't think, I don't know if the two instances were, were connected, because I hadn't <laughs> yeah, I hadn't really been drinking.
0: <laughs> My mum always gets the hiccups if she drinks two glasses of wine. Doesn't matter how slowly she does it. Well, she always gets the hiccups. Um, so maybe, maybe that's, that's it. Maybe yeah. you need to just be careful.
1: Yeah, yeah, not too much.
0: <laughs> Luckily I don't have that problem.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it makes things easy. Not
0: that I ever not that I ever drink. Um, moving on. Anyway, you moved to London. Yeah. You'd already got a bit of experience behind you how much of a challenge was it when you first got here to start afresh in a place where i'm guessing you didn't know that many people
1: yeah it was interesting i moved here with a little bit of a knowledge about i had been i had been here on holiday so i knew like what i don't know what london was like i guess and i knew that opportunities existed i just didn't really know how to go about getting involved so I did just what I think all jazz musicians would do no matter what city they're in is, is just scope out any jams J- jazz musicians get together and play music together so like my somebody, somebody might have like a set of music that they play and then they open up the stage to anybody who wants to join them so I just started googling jams in London and just rocking up to any jams that would have me which I remember the very first one I went to wouldn't have me because singers were not allowed.
0: (laughs) People can get very bossy these people that run jam sessions can't they?
1: Well I appreciate that instrumentalists don't really want the stage taken over by divas like me but (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I eventually found a few that would let me come in and every experience was slightly different like some yeah sometimes I would end up at a singer's jam where it was I got the vibe it was more of like a learning opportunity whereas I wanted to meet fellow musicians who I could potentially work with so there was a few that I went to that um I met some people and I think the spice the spice of life is where I met you I think it is yeah, yeah. at and the jazz jam at the jazz jam and I met a few other people through that jazz jam I think I every it was every week at that point I think And I would go every week and just sit there (laughs) until I would find somebody to chat with. And then after about a year or so, I developed like a little group of friends. And that's once you can do that, I think, then doors start to open. You know who to play with. You get to understand like where's good and where's not and what kind of opportunities exist.
0: And from that, you've just moved forward, I think, quite quickly. (laughs) progressing, doing more and more gigs, making an incredible debut album,
1: yeah, all of
0: those things. What's been your kind of most memorable gig?
1: After about two or three years, I managed to score a gig at the Elgar Room in Royal Albert Hall. I've done it twice now, but the first one, for me, it felt like the biggest deal ever. And I can remember like calling home to my family members and saying that I had a gig in the Royal Albert Hall, (laughs) which (laughs) sounds a lot more extravagant than it actually is. And like looking back, I think, oh, I was so naive and like just overwhelmed by something that was really not that overwhelming. It was still a big accomplishment, but it didn't need to get me in quite a tizzy as I I can remember being like, I just remember standing on that stage and being like, this is it. I've done it. I've <laughs> really I've, I've i've accomplished something really big here. And when it was done, I kind of realized like that's just the beginning. That's just
0: the case with <laughs> success, though, isn't it? Once you get a taste of success, you just think, okay, what, yeah, what am I going to do yeah, next? What's next, exactly? But the so. Elgar room is is a you know it's it's a real
1: it's great a really place beautiful to place to play. Yeah. yeah.
0: In case you don't know, the Elgar Room is a concert hall stroke. Conference room almost. Yeah. Just off of the Royal Albert Hall. It's in the building but it's not obviously part of the main hall. It's a separate room where they have kind of events and, and jazz nights. Yeah. There's other um, things
1: going on, but every I think it's every Thursday is their late night jazz. And they uh they always boast that they have Elton John's red piano in there.
0: Fantastic. What more could you want? Exactly. Really?
1: Yeah. It's very glam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that Elgar Room gig just really kind of boosted you, I guess, and made you want to just do a bit more, get some more gigs.
1: Yeah, it it was the first time that I realised I could do it. After some, the people at the Elgar Room had said, ''Oh, yeah, we'd like you to play here,'' I realised, ''Okay, somebody wants to listen to what I have to say.'' And that was very, like, it spurred me on to say, like, ''Okay, well, if they wanted to hear it, then maybe other people...'' And you just have to be very, very persistent. And there are going to be lots of people who don't want to hear what you have to say, and that's okay as well. For every, like, success story or every even, like, little step along the way, there are, like, five unsuccessful things that you took on. Yep. It's a very, like, trying business, but I think the people who who do it, who continue and actually make it somewhere, are the the ones who have to. Like, there's nothing else I could be doing with myself. Like yeah. There are lots of people that sort of give up along the way and, like, find something else to do, settle down, have a family, whatever. But I think if you know this is your thing, there's no option of, like, okay, that's enough. I'm tired of hearing no. I'm going to do something else now. It's like, okay, that's one no. All right, let's carry on and get, like, a, a yes to match every no, every five
0: no's. Absolutely. And the the no's make the yeses even sweeter, yeah. don't they?
1: Absolutely, for sure. And then you just feel like you, you can do it every, for every yes that you get, then everything gets a bit closer and yeah, you get a taste, like you said, you get a taste and then you want another taste and it just, you, everything just gets better from there. It really encourages you to be better as well, I think.
0: Yeah. Just keep keep going. Yeah. Determined. Yeah. Oh gosh, we're full of positivity here, aren't we? <laughs> you have to be. I'm going to go and book five gigs this afternoon, Lauren. Uh,
1: yeah, let's get right on that. For this motivational talk.
0: For me, when I think about you performing, I remember meeting you at the Jazz Jam. But the one that really blew me away was Down the Pheasantry when you did the Canadian Songs show for the London Jazz Festival. Yeah. And Lauren sang all Canadian songs that I didn't even know were Canadian. And it was just an education, but also it was one of the most wonderful gigs I've ever been to, I think.
1: I felt like I learned a lot from that because I, when I pitched the idea, because it was uh, it was Canada's uh, bicentenary, I guess, 150 year yeah. for our independence. So in, I knew in Canada that there was a lot going on around this, and so I pitched a couple of ideas to the people at Pizza Express for the jazz festival, and I just threw that in as like, oh, maybe this would be cool. Not really thinking that anyone would care about that. <laughs> But then first thing I knew, the man who did the bookings was like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. And I thought, for heaven's sakes, what have I done? I don't know. I don't know, like 15, I guess, Canadian songs that could be jazz. I don't know. What what am I going to (laughs) do? So I had to spend a lot of time researching and listening, you know, even just, I did it with Liam Dunneke on the piano. And Even just sharing them with him, you know, because these are songs from my history, but that doesn't mean he knows them. You know, we had to do some listening together and he had to do a bit of transcribing for songs that I had found that (laughs) really didn't exist on paper anywhere. But it was just so much fun, because on top of finding all the songs, I wanted to find information, like you said, a bit of an education. I think the people that ended up at that gig were either just people who just booked a gig at the jazz festival, not knowing what they were getting into, or they were like, they were Canadians that were like, oh my goodness, she's Canadian, let's, let's go to that, because they knew that they would like it yeah. based on what they were going to hear. So it was either nostalgia around hearing these facts, or it was like an education for those people who didn't know what they were in for, I learned a lot myself, and yeah, it's something that maybe it'll end up as something in the future, maybe an album or something. Canadian song. So it's
0: something you would like to move forward with potentially.
1: Yeah, it's always in the back of my mind. It's not—I don't think it's next on my agenda, but it's definitely something that I would like to pursue into something more. Here's a
0: live recording from the show, Lauren's performing Joni Mitchell's "A Case of You." with Liam Dunnocky on the piano.
1: On the back of a cartoon coaster, in the blue TV screen light, I drew a map of Canada, oh Canada.
0: I believe every word that you sing.
1: (laughs) It's all a ruse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Lauren has a magical way of putting across a song that kind of really gets to you. And I just wonder whether when you're singing that song, whether you are acting or whether you believe it. How do you put a song across so well?
1: Well, I think the starting is to pick songs that you believe. The best way to find songs to sing or music to play, especially if you're playing covers or jazz standards, is to listen to other people who've done it and then pick the ones that speak to you. Uh-huh. So then when I put it across to other people, it's because it spoke to me first. And is it the lyrics that speak to
0: you or the melody or a combination? Of yeah, both? it
1: depends. I think when it comes to lyrics, I'm not particularly deep. <laughs> I like I like very surface level that where you can sort of just get something out of it quite easily. I don't really want to have to dig into the meaning like, oh, this song was written t- during some turmoil, t- turmoil time when, you know, if there's so much background into it that you have to know that background in order to feel anything for the song, then that just kind of, I don't know, it seems like too much work. I want to just be able to reach people like, instantaneously like just you know snap your fingers and they get it lyrics wise I think I'm drawn to songs that are silly basic cheeky or yet yeah, just really straightforward I guess
0: charming and romantic that's what a lot of the yeah of the jazz standards yeah, are I aren't think they so
1: yeah and the really well-written ones they'll speak to anybody I would say
0: and there's so many of them
1: yeah aren't there For sure
0: yeah so many well-written jazz standards yeah great repertoire to be kind of
1: yeah there's so many that why would you sing the ones that uh, that don't
0: yeah <laughs> yeah
1: you've been here how long now six years No, it'll seven be seven years. years in august
0: seven years mm. do you think you'll be sticking around then for a little while yeah, yeah i'd
1: like to i think i'll be sticking around for a while
0: that's good very happy to hear it indeed (laughs) well you've already mentioned the idea that you'd like to maybe do a canadian songs album who knows
1: any other plans for the for the next few years it's been about three years since my last since my first album came out. So I'm, t- I'm ready to do something new. Uh, I don't know quite yet what it will be, but I've got some ideas, songs that I, that speak to me that are sort of on my mind all the time. I don't know, there's lots of options. I'd like to do some singing with a big band. Yeah, just, just continue to learn. I think that's the big one. I just am constantly hungry to be playing music and learning more so that I can just get better and, and have fun doing it.
0: And London, for now, is the best place to be doing that.
1: I think so, yeah.
0: Fantastic. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here, Lauren. Sure, no problem. If you would like to learn more about Lauren, check out her website, laurenbushjazz.com, and you can catch her at gigs in and around the city.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully see you soon. Cheers, Lauren. Cheers.
0: Oh, I hope you enjoyed listening to Lauren and I. I certainly learned a lot about her that I didn't already know. The best thing to do is to go and watch Lauren perform. As we mentioned, her gig dates are listed on laurenbushjazz.com, where you can buy her debut album. And it really is worth a listen. It's called All My Treasures, and it features arrangements by an incredible musician called Liam Dunnocky, who's on piano. He's joined by Dave Ingemels on drums, Andrew Robb on bass, Miguel Garodi on trumpet and Brandon Allen on tenor sax. Thank you for listening to the Journeys in Jazz podcast. Stay up to date with future episodes by subscribing and find us on social media hashtag JourneysInJazz. I will be back soon welcoming a new guest for your listening pleasure. <laughs>